Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. This is the Best Hang podcast, featuring Max Kerman, Shane Cunningham, and I am Mike Beerman. Welcome to the best hang. I am Mike. We got Shane. We got Max. I'm sorry, I didn't Shane before Max, which is a little different than we normally do it. What's wrong with that? Why do we have to apologize for that? Is <laughs> Max offended? Well, Max had a look. You had a look. Oh no, 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 no! I no, I only had a look because I was thinking about the first uh, eight seconds. We have to get this intro off in eight seconds. Should we keep that with Shane first, or should I do it again, guys? What yeah, do, do it. We do it with Shane first. Shane first. Oh, there you go. All right. So there, the listeners got a peek behind the curtain. And that seems somewhat uh, appropriate because we get a peek behind the curtain of one of the shows that uh, uh, we all admire and, and respect greatly, and that is How To with John Wilson. We have the star of that show, uh, uh, the, the documentarian who makes that show. He is our guest today. Um, we can't wait to get to that interview. It's very uh, interesting and insightful, and I think he is actually a little more revelatory than maybe I thought he would be. Shane, you did say that he is more willing to sort of pull the, the curtain back a bit than the producer of his show, who is Nathan Fielder, uh, who Shane is obviously a huge uh, a fan of. We've talked about it on this podcast in the past. I'm very excited to get to John Wilson. Do we want to talk a bit about John off the top, or should we save it when we set up the interview? What do you think? Let's save it for before the interview, because we have some other things we have to talk about right now. Ooh, that, mm. that sounds very serious, Matt. Yeah, first first order of business. Huge shout out to the Canadian women's hockey team who are kicking ass right now in the in the Olympics, and um, we're you know, our Kells are sort of a part of their success. Are you aware of this? What? Go on. I would just assume so, but explain how. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. By the way, isn't this such like just a privileged white dude thing to say? Just being like, our Kells are a part of the, of the women's hockey team's success. I don't think this is a common <laughs> no. thing to say that I'd be like, that's so cliche that the guy thinks that his band is taking over a women's hockey team. 
I know wherever there's an Olympic montage, there is a Arkell song waiting around the corner. <laughs> there's an Arkell song we'll follow. Yeah. <laughs> it's a rite of passage. Yeah, that's right. No, well, no. Every time they score a goal, they play Years in the Making, our song. Mm. Um, and and, and uh, actually, some of snarky Twitter is actually kind of tired of the song already. And they're like, oh, God, this song again. Yeah, well, it's kind of offensive. Why? You score, you score one goal and it's years in the making. This is the best fucking <laughs> hockey team ever. Every time they score a goal, it's like nothing. It's like, yeah, that's to be expected. This wasn't years in the making. It's six really minutes good. in the making. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Six to eight minutes in the making. <laughs> in their defense, uh, the, the Olympics, it's four years. Go, pa- It's between four years every yeah. Olympic event. So, so in essence, just the hockey game is indeed years in the making. Four years in the making. Yeah, but that's right. every goal... Give it a break. <laughs> like, I could see the first goal. It's like, okay, it's been four years in the making since you've been waiting for this moment. But, yeah, shout out to them. We know some of the team a little bit. We've done some, like, Zoom performances for them as they were in quarantine. And uh, they're awesome, awesome people. Um, so I just want to give a shout out to them. Also, uh, guys, curious to know, were you guys affected by the trucker convoy this weekend? I know this isn't a political show, but I'm kind of curious I to know. Was, if, Max. Is that what you're? Are you setting me up? He has a very professional setup there for Shane. We know Shane has been uh, 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 displaced by this thing. No, I didn't. I didn't know this. What, what happened? Know? What happened? Are you? Are you I had no around? idea. <laughs> I, I swear to God, I had, I had no idea. I had a terrible time. Oh no! What happened? You know, I do not like driving a vehicle at all. I had a shoot on Friday, and those are kind of stressful. So my plan was to take the go bus. I'm comfortable taking the go bus. I commuted for years to my job in Toronto. I live in Hamilton. But Alex started making me feel like I was, I don't know, being a coward for not driving. So on Friday, because <laughs> I had to stay in a, backstory, I had to stay in a hotel for this shoot. It was in Toronto, so they were worried about the snowfall might disrupt my time getting to the shoot. So I had to stay in a hotel overnight so I could get to the shoot on time. But even driving out to it before the convoy, I got stuck in the snowstorm and behind mm. snowplows. So there was yeah, a yeah. whole row of snowplows. So I'm going 15 miles an hour, basically, to Toronto mm. the entire way. Guess That's how long brutal. it took me to get there? How long? Three and a half hours from Hamilton oh, to Toronto. Like, okay, but did you get uh, affected by the, the truckers, though? Well, let me tell a story here, okay? So, oh, sorry, sorry. sorry. So that's part one. That's part one. I thought that would be the He's most fucking annoying. Here, I thought that would be the most annoying. Cars were spinning out. My car spun out once on the way there, terrified. I had like PTSD from that experience. I was shaking, scared, just not wanting to get back in my vehicle. Then I do the shoot. Shoot goes fine, whatever. It's time to go home. I'm getting texts from my stepmom. Be careful. They're shutting down Queen. The convoy's in town or they're setting up for the peaceful protest. (laughs) But my hotel is on Queen Street. So that street's completely shut down. And then the one street where the valet is supposed to bring my car out to is completely filled with cars. So I I said, oh, can you get my car? And very happily, the guy said, no, I can't because of the traffic. And it was going to take three hours. So I said, what do I do? He said, you can either wait or leave your car at the hotel. So then I started walking to the bus stop and I'm all, I'm freezing my ass off. So I have to go to a Tim Hortons and warm up. And then I think about it. I'm like, fuck it. I'm going back to get my car. And I see another employee and he says, I've heard about you. Come with me. And I'm like, I was like you heard about me? He's like, yeah, you were going to take the train. He's like, don't worry. Come with me. He takes me through the employee's quarters and I'm in a freight elevator and I'm going down. 
and there's a manager <laughs> who sees what this guy's doing and he starts shaking his head and <laughs> the guy's like it's okay he's in trouble he's in trouble so we get down to my car area he goes i'm gonna hop in the car with you i go okay get in the front he goes i have to get in the back i'm like okay he hops in the back <laughs> and he like ducks down i guess the valets are not allowed to get in the car with the people oh or my goodness and, and he's giving me all these directions he's like we're gonna go have to go down this back alley and if the traffic is clogged here we're gonna have to go here and you're gonna have to make a left on bay and then right and he's like you getting all this i'm like absolutely not like i don't know directions <laughs> i don't follow this stuff and he's like okay let me out now and as i'm driving to the street he hops out of the car and he starts holding up all of traffic for me and letting me go down this weird back alley and then i eventually I got through and he gave me like directions and navigated me through this area. He wouldn't take a tip. What? <laughs> I told him to give me his email. I'll e-transfer him. But uh, yeah, he just said, tell what he did. And that would help him out a lot. Wow. Did you tell him? No, because I felt like what he did, I'm going to email them. I feel like I shouldn't even say he hopped in the car and he was stopping traffic. Cause he was like smacking cars too. So they you would don't all give him all the details. Just say yeah. that he basically, you know, helped it, you out. It was such a wild experience. And, uh, once I got out of that very congested area, I was able to get home okay. But it was very terrifying. Should we should we take Toronto uh, in this uh, pod episode so so they can hear this story? I don't know. I'm really worried now. Actually, I don't know, even know if I can tell any of that. I'm Why worried. wouldn't you be able to say anything? I think he did a he did a great job. He might be in hot water right now because some of his other staff, uh, his colleagues, might be going, "Oh, this guy's a loose cannon." If you send an email to the manager and you say, "Hey, I just want to let you know." I was a customer at the hotel last weekend, and this employee really did a great job helping with the, with the valet. And I just want to say that his attention to detail was went above and beyond. And I, I hope I just want you to know I'm a really satisfied customer. Yes, Thank I, you to that guy. I can send a generic email, which was the plan. I just can't include any details. <laughs> well, you don't need to include the details. Well, if this pod goes viral, you know they're gonna put they're gonna put it together. You heard how good that story was. This thing's going. This thing's gonna take. Mike, um, have you ever like sent um? a letter of thanks to a place like not not a customer complaint the opposite of that uh no but danica and i went to a um a pita pit uh on on <laughs> richmond street uh once uh, by our old place downtown toronto uh and we just we randomly popped in we were grabbing some lunch on the way home we were out doing something and uh the woman that worked there was so good and so thoughtful and so engaging and wanted to get the sandwiches just right or pitas, I suppose, uh, that like it honestly like moved Danica and I to the point where we were like, we said to her, we were like, honestly, like this is probably like one of the best experiences we've ever had in like a food place like this. Like, thank you so much. And she was like, listen, I just really love doing my job. And we were like, holy crap. We're like that doesn't happen very often. We get home and Danica went out of her way to like write the most like because you know what? Like sometimes those jobs, they're thankless jobs. They're not the most glamorous, like working in like a pita pit or whatever sort of fast food place. And the fact that this woman cared so much, Danica went out of her way to message the the place and let the man or the owners know that she was like incredible. And it made our experience like, you know, it, it lifted our day. We walked out of there and the pitas were immaculate because sometimes they don't get those pitas right. You know what I'm saying? They're like they're breaking apart. They're dry. They're, you know, <laughs> this woman really, really uh, got it right. So, yes, we have. I have. Yeah. Danica did. But she's a much better person than I. Yeah, I think I wish I was a little bit more part of the culture. Is that like, you know, the worker bees are getting congratulated and and their bosses know about it. I think that's really important. Yeah. Um, Go out of your way. If you if you get some great sort of like experience uh, in any sort of service sort of situation, let them know. You know, get, we have the Internet now. Let them know. 
I, I did one thing the other day, actually. Um, so manager Ash was uh, corresponding with a, a fellow manager who works with another another axe uh, that we know. And I, I won't say who it is. But her name's Christine. I won't say her last name. Um, and Ash kind of just has mentioned to me on a few occasions that it's like, oh, you know, Christine, you know, is just the best. Like, I don't know her that well. We've never met in person. But every time we email, she's just so pleasant. And, and she manages some really big artists. And we all know that feeling of when you interact with somebody over email where it just feels really good, especially when someone who doesn't need to be polite. Yeah. You know, someone in the, especially when it comes to the power dynamic, I always find the power, the power, um, within an email, like, the, you know, it's like who, who holds the power, who's doing more of the ass kissing, who, who can be shorter with the other person. Anyway, this person, Christine has only been really classy and gracious and 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 Ash is like I just like and and by the way nothing's even really happened um, mm -hmm. much between Christine's acts and Ash's business but it's always just been very friendly so I emailed Christine just on the side I said just want to let you know you really made Ash's day you know like just you know I don't know you you've never met me but you that, just just so you know like you really made a, made a big difference in Ash's day and just a tiny little email just your pleasure and then she wrote back and she's like oh that really made my day like thanks for telling me that I really I appreciate you saying that so uh just a little bit more of like congratulations going around I think is always always a nice thing good vibes did it make your day that you made her day by letting her know that <laughs> she made Ash's day yeah, <laughs> it did. <laughs> That's funny. It did. It did. Everybody just felt amazing. Like Christine felt good. Ash felt good. I felt good. It was just, just lovely. Do you know the key <laughs> element to a good happy email? You probably do. What's that? E what is exclamation that? points. That's all you need. Yeah, I, I'm. If yeah, you don't I, put I an exclamation point off the top, I don't like you. I deal with a <laughs> lot of people via email, and I can just tell the power dynamic based off of the exclamation points. A happy face goes uh, a long way too. Yeah, I, I, I throw in an exclamation point. It usually, you could probably actually outline an email mm -hmm. perfectly. It starts with the, hey, so-and-so, exclamation point. I'm a little extra, I think, on email. You can't do too many, yeah. The next one is just a period. Yeah, of course. You can't then it's like another that. period. Then an exclamation point. Then a smiley face. Yes. Then a best max. Like, it ha kind of has to go in that order. I like ending you know with I mean? a thanks so much. Unless I have to do a thank you earlier in the body of the email. Then I, I can do a thanks again. Thanks so much. Then a thanks again. <laughs> you can circle back or you can start with the much appreciated and then hit them with the thanks at the end. You know, yeah, I, sometimes I, I do that. Ways. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm like, oh, there's too many thanks here. I got to have a much appreciated. Do, do you have any friends that are like that, that, you know, are nice in real life, but terrible on email? And you just want to tell them like, yo, bro, like you got to pick up your email game a little bit. Who's bad in text? Um, yeah, Randall's not the best in text. Her <laughs> <laughs> old boss. Like, they can be a little cryptic and cold. Not a, No exclamation point. Do you think it's a power move, though? Do you think it's a power move? Mm. Or is he just like that? No, he might just be like that. He can be like that talking, too. <laughs> but really, not, one of, on the flip side, he's really one of the nicest, kind-hearted people ever. Oh, mm -hmm. like, the yeah, well, the biggest heart and, like, would literally, like, run through a wall to help out a friend and all that stuff. But to Shane's point, sometimes in interactions, he can just sort of be, like, brief flatter to the point it's very sort of like this is what we're doing this is what we're talking about whereas sometimes you want a little razzle dazzle i mean you know max you're saying you go like hey and then the name in the exclamation point mm. i find with a lot of my responses i just do the name as if i'm seeing them in person like max exclamation ah, point yeah. shane yeah, like, you know mm -hmm. like like i'm exactly i'm happy that they've sort of reached out or corresponded they get their name at two exclamation points
You don't do that with us, though. The closer you are to the person, the less bullshit you got to add to oh, the Oh, no, yeah. When you guys text me, I'm just like, what the fuck do you want? I'm busy. <laughs> I have two kids. Uh, no, not at all. I, 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 You know, that's the thing. I, I think there's also people that you interact with constantly. You know what I mean? Like, we're, mm-hmm. we're constantly shooting messages back and forth. But it's still pleasant, I feel like. I feel like I'm yeah, still yeah. throwing exclamation points on our, our exchanges. Maybe not me and you direct, Shane, but we're usually just more to... Mm-hmm. Actually, we're throwing in jokes. It's, it's, yeah. it's a real thing. Yeah, you're right. You know, but it's more real. It's less surface. We get deep, and if we put an exclamation point, it's about something we're genuinely excited about. It's not like yes. "Good morning, Mike!" exclamation point. <laughs> How are you today? <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> Hope you're well. Smiley face. Yeah. Yes. No. We skip all that stuff. We skip all that stuff. Uh, one of the things I was wondering, though, I, I, Max, did you have anything else? I mean, were you affected by the convoy? We heard that Shane had this sort of like very harrowing exit from the hotel. He was able to get out. Thanks it was to like a what movie. was his name again? Yeah. yeah. What was his name? Let's shout him out one more time. Uh, but I don't know. Like now we might have to beep him. I don't know. I don't want to get him fired. No, no, we're leaving it in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's almost like one of those things where it's like uh, they don't care about the outcome. It's just that he didn't follow protocol. It's like it's like it's like a rogue doctor that's like, but I saved her life. God damn it. They're like, but you didn't do it according to protocol. You're suspended. You know what I mean? And it's like, but I saved her. Yeah. You know what I mean? That whole thing. And sometimes you need to break protocol to save the life. That's mm-hmm. my point. Mm-hmm. That's right. And sometimes you got to know when to play by the rules and when not to play by the rules. I feel like Max really dances on this line a lot. Yeah, yeah. You know, I feel like yeah. Max can get away with things that other people can't get away with, you mm-hmm. know? No, but you know what? Speaking of rules, though, I I, I do appreciate rules. I do appreciate um, our, you know, our institutions, the people that have to make the rules. It's a thankless job. So to answer your question about the convoy, uh, the trucker convoy that, that made its way down to Queen's Park in Toronto, this weekend, Why I was don't you, not re- maybe for our American listeners mm. or, or international, maybe for people from, mm. from the UK, the story hasn't yeah. reached international waters. Maybe let them know what's up. So, so basically, um, there are a group of people, small group of people in Canada that are really unhappy about the lockdown measures. And um, it is there's a convoy being led by truckers uh, who really dislike the idea that they have to show vaccination status when they're going back and forth between Canada and America. And they are voicing their displeasure uh, by protesting in front of uh, our federal buildings in Ottawa and also the provincial capitals, uh, you know, the one in Toronto, Queens Park. And, um, you know, and every, you know, you have the right to assembly, the right to protest peacefully like those. Those things are all good and fine um, where I think some of their efforts uh, have gone a little sideways is that parts of the group are racist and anti-Semitic and anti-science and also just um they're not doing it peacefully you know they're setting off fireworks at three in the morning uh in some cases they've been belligerent um well a truck you know, horn is quite loud too and it seems it like quite, they're they're blowing those horns often that's not very peaceful yeah. no it's not peaceful and they're also harassing in some cases uh a lot of healthcare workers and just like people in the community that are that are out and about just trying to get through their day so that's what's happening in Toronto and, and the whole convoy. And it's funny, too, because they've sort of tried to take back the Canadian flag because the Canadian flag is usually th- something that's been associated for the most part with, you know, national unity and, you know, cheering on your Canadian women's hockey team. Uh, they are flying the flag on their trucks. So if you're driving down the highway anywhere in Canada right now, you might see the, the, the Canadian flags being donned on the back of these big big transportation trucks and um they're trying to they're trying to say this represents freedom and we've had our freedoms taken away um all that said i was not really affected this weekend except 
that the bar I co-own with Nick from the Arkells and our pal Rock uh, has a chicken wing shortage because I guess the chicken wings <laughs> are part of the supply chain that the truckers are no longer participating in. And I want to say, by the way, I think 90% of truckers are like vaccinated and doing a hell of a job. And I really, we all thank them for their service because it is a thankless job in many ways. And it's a hard job in many ways. It's a dangerous job. But the ones, I guess, from what I understand, this is somewhat anecdotal, that uh, are in charge of bringing the chicken wings to Odds Bar in Hamilton aren't doing their job right now. And I find it somewhat ironic that the thing they're protesting for, the thing they're advocating for, which is more chicken wings, the right, which is more chicken wings, <laughs> ostensibly, all? which yeah. it, which is honestly, it's like I want the right, I want the freedom to go to my favorite fucking bar and eat chicken wings. Mm. Um, they are getting in the way of that very thing because mm. there's no fucking chicken wings right now, and this, and this is really. Um, I know there's a lot of serious issues out there in the world right now, but this has got to be at the top of the list, right? Well, that, like, I think well, that's um, their point. They want you to suffer through not being able to get the chicken wings. So then you but can I'm saying feel they, they could they just have the chicken wings. They could just have the ch- chicken wings if they wanted. It's like the thing they say they can't have. They could literally just have. But if they right? can't eat the chicken wings at a bar with beer and be shoulder to shoulder with somebody without the mm-hmm. government telling them to go six feet apart or have be at half capacity, <laughs> they don't want any fucking chicken wings at all. They'd rather they have don't no want wings. you to have no chicken wings either. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's the whole know, point, a, Max. This is the thing: people weren't listening, and it took your chicken wings being taken away for you to notice mm, exactly. and talk about this on a podcast. <laughs> you just proved their methodology. Mm-hmm. Well, I, what I retort to that is, it's like you know, I think they they, they basically kind of reached the end of the rope, right? They're like, enough is enough. <laughs> we are taking to the streets. Is, is reached the end of the road we, like your trucking mm-hmm. metaphor? Yeah, I know that I've only done accidental puns in my life. Any pun <laughs> I've ever done has only been an accident. Um, and. Listen, but I, you guys know me, I have very little patience for just about everything, right? You know, like if things don't mm. go exactly my way, I get very frustrated very easily. So I have a very low tolerance. Oh, anyone who's ever shit. told you a story will know that. Your eyes are dark. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is more than three sentences? Oh, shit. Looking at the phone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, um, I, I, my retort would be that, you know, the, the, the cost of, you know, getting back to business, getting back to regular life is like, Two two vaccines and a booster. It's like 15 minutes of your fucking day over the course of a year. Mm-hmm. That's such a small cost. It's such a tiny cost to, to get back to your shit. And the, and the fact that they don't want to do that is just like, do you know what other annoying shit that we all have to do every day all the time? It's a pretty small ask. Yeah. Um, let's talk about John Wilson because this is a good chat. And I and I was very excited mostly because, I mean, I'm a huge fan of John Wilson. Mm-hmm. But when you get to experience something through the eyes of a loved one, it's almost just as meaningful. Now, I'm not a parent. You guys mm-hmm. are parents. So you see joy through the eyes of your kids all the time. In this case, I got to see joy and excitement out of the eyes of my son, Shane Cunningham. Because <laughs> oh, this interview. I've heard some overcompensating uh, statements before, but this one takes the cake, Max. <laughs> really on this PR but, campaign, eh? <laughs> but Shane, you are um, a student of comedy. You're the funniest person that I know. You, you, when you say something's good, you know we take it all seriously, especially when it comes to the world of comedy. So, uh, do, do you want? Can you talk? Set, set this up a little bit. Talk about your relationship with uh, being a fan of John Wilson and where, and, you know, maybe some of the backstory with Nathan Fielder, which I think is relevant. Take it away. Well, for me, Nathan Fielder is like my Shane. So when Nathan Fielder puts his name on something and executive produces it, I take that very seriously. 
And this show, much like Nathan Fielder's show, it's just impressive with how intricate and how long it would take to put all this together. What's kind of cool about this conversation and this show in general is it is so how to with John Wilson uh, is an HBO show. It's on Crave here in Canada. And what's so cool about all of these sort of documentaries is you get the comedy, but really he's sort of just like looking at the human condition. Like the episodes are inspiring as much as they are funny because he's sort of finding like the sweet and the sour and the melancholy of life. Uh, and, and sort of everything kind of goes into this amazing soup, which makes these episodes, these sort of unique little documentaries. And to Shane's point, um, John goes into what that takes to sort of make, you know, the mm-hmm. toll it takes on his personal life, how much time, how labor intensive it is, how much of himself he puts in there, um, how they get made, all that stuff. And that was kind of the most interesting part of the conversation for me was um, how much he was willing to reveal about his process and, and sort of the toll it takes on him and his personal life. Some people think you're going to mm-hmm. have a conversation with a funny person that it's going to be a funny conversation. This is not a funny conversation, unless I'm mistaken here. It ends on kind of a weird note for me, because it's like a laugh point, but it's kind of inaccurate, because I imply that anyone could do what he does. Mm. <laughs> anyone could film this show. No one would put in the hours and would have the ingenuity to form the shows in how they are and make this so perfectly all tied in and wrapped in a He understood that, though. I know, but I don't know if any everyone listening will because it mm. could sound a little dismissive and frivolous the way mm. I, the way it's presented. So I wanted to clarify, I don't think anyone else could do what John Wilson does, although I do think everyone could compile hours and hours of footage if they wanted to, but no one would put it together in such a unique and hilarious way. And just to get, provide a little bit more context, because I think just talking about what the show is. So it's How To with John Wilson. It's on HBO's, And you know... If you're a fan of television, HBO doesn't fuck around with, like, fluffy stuff. Like, they only want to do interesting projects, I'd say, whether it's comedy, drama, action. Like, you know, HBO are tastemakers. Um, The show uh, is executive produced by Nathan Fielder, and the show of... That Nathan Fielder is famous for is Nathan for You, which was on what was it Comedy Central? Yeah, and I, I think the lineage is important. So, so let's go back to Nathan Nathan for You for a second. What is the premise of Nathan for You, Shane? Uh, Sean? Shane? Sorry. <laughs> Your dad? You don't know my name? <laughs> um, <laughs> I mess up my kids' names all the time. I honestly do. I'm always calling <laughs> Lou Betty Betty Lou. But um. What okay? What Nathan Fielder? He's trying to help small businesses succeed and go viral so they can have more success. That's the whole guise of the show. And obviously, he tries to come up with the most clever, funny, ridiculous things to force these small business owners. Into. And it's real people. So it's, it's like real it, it's people. real. Like so- he gets people off yeah. Craigslist typically. So they're yeah. they're interesting mm-hmm. people. And he tries to find people who are a little bit more liable to go along with a silly idea. And, and Nathan, although he is uh, objectively an awkward, strange person in many ways, he presents himself like a Shark Tank kind of character. So that that's that's the the conceit in the humor is that it's yes. like, why is this person helping these uh, small businesses along when typically like the titans of industry are like smooth talking, very sort of egotistical, full of bravado kind of people? Nathan is not that now. How to with John Wilson. So he discovered John, and we'll learn about this in the, in the episode. But each episode of How to with John Wilson is how to do something. Now, name a few of the episodes like How to Appreciate Wine, How to 
look at scaffolding is that what, what the episode's called what's it called again i don't even know the the, the the episode's about scaffolding but the thing is regardless what it's called where it begins is never where it ends up it's yeah, yeah they're just trying to throw you off the scent of what's going to happen and everything is just ends up where it ends up and it's always very unexpected speaking of how to's do you guys have any how to's that you feel like you need in your own life you know what i'm saying like i might Ooh. need like a like a, a how to say no to things, you know, mm. Danica is always telling me, I don't know how to say no. If you know, whether it's like a creative pursuit or Sean wants to go to the bar to watch the, ra- I can't say no to things. I don't like to say no to my friends. So maybe that could be one, uh, how to, uh, negotiate car prices. I, I hate mm. the idea of doing any sort of talking about a lease or like buying a car. It's like, it feels like the whole, it's an adversarial setup. So I get anxiety about that. Those are some how to episodes I'd want for my own life. Do you guys have any of those in your life? I was thinking about this mm-hmm. with John Wilson. I think uh, I'd go how to organize your personal space because honestly, like if I'm left to like trying to organize my room, I'll think so hard about it and it'll end up kind of like worse than where it started. Do you know what I mean? Like just mm-hmm. my, like I need a Marie Kondo kind of mm-hmm. like, I need somebody to help me organize my space because it always just ends up looking like shit. Uh, Shane, where were you? <laughs> I can't be organized. Yeah. How to organize it would be, it's an impossible task. Like I can start, yeah. but two days later, it's just a pigsty again. Uh, mm-hmm. For me, uh, how to do small talk. I, isn't that the name of one of the I episodes? I think yeah. that's the first episode. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm incapable small of small talk. I can never do it. Uh, it always fizzles out after 30 seconds. I'm, it's always a long <laughs> pause for me. Yeah, small talk. Uh, one of them I was thinking about too is like how not to have FOMO. And I was thinking a lot about (laughs) (laughs) because I have such extreme FOMO in so many facets of my life. Like if my friends are going to a sporting event or doing, I like, I want to do it, but I also want to be present for my kids and for, you know, with my wife, my partner. So, so it is very hard for me to negotiate that. And it got me thinking a bit about sort of the natural course of life. If you do decide to sort of get married, have kids, kind of do that thing as you get older, there's just things you can't do willy-nilly anymore. You know what I mean? Like the mm-hmm. stuff we would do 10 years ago is, hey, let's just, let's go to Cuba. Let's, hey, yeah, I'm available. It's a random Wednesday night. Let's go to this basketball game and then just be out till three in the morning. Those things start to fall away. And Max, this got me thinking about you and mm-hmm. your disdain sometimes for children, mm-hmm. I, I find. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. I started thinking about your psychology and I mm-hmm. wondered you know, because sometimes like, oh, Max is always like, eh, kid, you know, you kind of don't really have much time for that whole construct. And sometimes mm-hmm. it even seeps into like, oh, I'm going to be hanging out with like my wife or whatever. And you're kind of like, eh, OK, fine, whatever. Mm-hmm. I think that maybe <laughs> your disdain might come from a place where as we all age, you start to see your friends dropping off and dropping out. Mm-hmm. And so while we're all sitting at home with FOMO for what you're doing. Mm-hmm. you're also starting to have a bit of resentment because you're going, what the fuck is happening to all my friends? Where was mm-hmm. it? Where is everybody? You know, last on a Tuesday five years ago, we mm-hmm. didn't have enough spots. You know what I mean? We didn't, there's too many people for the spots and now I can't fill the spots for what we're doing. Mm-hmm. I think you nailed it. That's that's it. Like I am resentful because I love the energy of of just a friend group getting together on a whim and just like something happening sort of spontaneously. And that just can't happen anymore with, with a lot of my friends. You know what I mean? So it's just like, or, or if it does happen, it's like has to be this big thing. And in the old days, I could snap my fingers and all of a sudden we're having a, a really exciting Tuesday night where a bunch of stuff happens. Like, cause I like stuff happening, you know, yeah. what I mean? or we're meeting, we're meeting someone, we're going to a Raptors game. Oh, this happened. We're having laughs. Like, and, and not to say that it doesn't happen anymore. It does happen. But 
the setup is always a lot more um it sounds it kind of feels exhausting to set the whole thing up even just like okay well you get the sitter for the kids okay oh no i gotta check in here okay, I'm gonna, you know, oh, yeah, well maybe okay uh, yeah okay no oh, no t- t- next next friday that's the night guys <laughs> yes uh, so, so that's why yes. yeah obviously i love love all your kids and and you guys are amazing parents and like that part of my brain recognizes like that you guys are doing exceptional things in raising a family. But the selfish part of my brain that you talk about, the FOMO part, like I'm like, I want you around for that. You love my kids, Max. <laughs> I love them. You do not. Are, is yeah. your plan as you get older and maybe other people start starting families to start going younger friends? So you can always... <laughs> yeah. Replacing us? Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. <laughs> just There'll be like uh, like another guy who looks just like Shane, who's like 25. I'm just hanging out with that guy now. You should start <laughs> auditioning new versions of your friends. Like what, who will be the new Veerman brothers? Who will be the new Shane? You know what I mean? You That would be very funny. And, and a little hurtful. Like JR is kind of like that. You know, he's a, a little bit older than me, but he's mm. got younger friends because he yeah, doesn't have yeah. children. You know, like would you That's feel right. weird if you were... 45 and your best friend was 23 <laughs> that would be a little weird that would be weird. <laughs> I, I, yeah i guess i would say in this scenario if our lives are ruining your good time mm-hmm. trust me when i say our lives are ruining our good time too and i have uh, <laughs> a lot of fomo uh, all the time so i would love john wilson to tell me how to not have fomo as i age and miss out on more and more fun things who do you think john wilson liked the most of the three of us <laughs> no, I, th- I think about that often too I knew you would. <laughs> Who do you think, Max? I think he liked you the most, Shane. Me? Yeah, I would think so. Just because I set myself up as the most like-minded. Yeah. And I also, Which you are. Which you are. Yeah, and I also could relate to him on the, how frustrating things are. Because on much smaller scale, I've done similar things to him. Mm-hmm. And it has almost ruined my life. So I was so fascinated yeah. in him doing it on such a grand scale and I think he appreciated diving into things on that way because maybe other interviews might make it more frivolous and focus on lighter things where we got into really how this is so annoying. And I think he really liked that. Mm-hmm. Mike, what do you think? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. I think, well, we, we, yeah, like Shane was really positioned, like Shane said, as a like-minded person. Like you brought up the documentary Shane had made sort of back in the early days of YouTube where Shane had over a million views. It was like a documentary about his mother's uh, boyfriend at the time. And and I think just that sort of sort of put Shane sort of on like a, a level where it's mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, we've both made sort of like revelatory, we, we've sort of played in this playground, which is like documentaries about real life while also sort of heightening the experience through sort of the telling of the story. Like, and I think that was sort of managed to connect. And honestly, like the whole interview, as you'll hear uh, listeners, is a lot of process. Like we talk a lot of process and then also how John sort of like connected with HBO and Nathan and that sort of origin story, which is interesting and fascinating just as like a pathway to making this kind of work and having it on HBO. Um, but yeah, we get a lot into sort of the nuts and bolts of how a show like this is made uh, because it is such a fascinating show. Maxie, so you agree that Shaney was the guy that, that John yeah. uh, gravitated I think you were toward. lovely too. I think I was lovely, but mm-hmm. I think I think Shane would be the most uh, kindred spirit. Agreed. Uh, one thing I thought was really savvy and very Max-like is uh, for our listeners, you can listen out for this, but Max had filmed uh, like, a, like a half-eaten uh, tub of ice cream uh, sitting in the snow and he was kind of doing a fake John Wilson like narration that he sent to us before the interview. He's like, hey guys, I'm John Wilson. Huh? It's a funny bit. Once we're on the Zoom, Max pulls out the video and shows John Wilson and gets John Wilson 
to give a John Wilson type narration. He writes a bit about the the, the ice cream, which Net Max, awesome. you now have the audio. You can make this into a John Wilson bit that can go on the socials. It was genius. Yeah, if you know the show, you'll you'll really appreciate the way John just kind of off the top of his lid wrote wrote the copy, wrote the script to this like funny weird scene that I filmed, which is basically mm-hmm. the the entirety of his show is him filming weird. You're stuff very sponge like Max. You're very good at absorbing things and acting like those things. For example, when Norm McDonald died, there was a week after where you were Norm. Or, <laughs> or, if, or if Curb's out, you'll if, if Curb your enthusiasm is hot. All of a sudden, you're Larry David for the next uh, month and a half. Okay, guys, I have one other thing before we get to the interview, and I just need you to roll with me, okay? Mm-hmm. Just oh, okay. We're, we're doing some. We're, we're doing. We're doing some yes ending here, okay? All right. Okay. Okay. Guys, this episode is brought to you by Sean Dawson Real Estate. Shane, have you ever had to buy or sell a home before? Oh, I have. I tried doing it alone, and it was absolute hell. Then I contacted Sean. Where'd my house go? Oh, wait, it's sold. Did you make a pretty penny off that house? Does this answer your question? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mike, what's your experience been like buying and selling homes? Well, Max, I had a second child on the way, and I needed some more room, some more space for the little ones. I was looking for a home on my own. Nothing. We called Sean Dawson up, and now we're living in our dream home. So if you need to buy or sell a home in the greater Toronto area, and that includes everything from St. Catharines to Hamilton to Burlington, Oakville, Mississauga, Toronto, Sean is the best in the business. Sean is a dedicated to helping buyers find the perfect home. He applies a modern approach to a legacy industry. That includes being mindful and present with his clients at all times. I even asked Sean to write out some copy for this ad, and he said, Max, I'm in the middle of helping a client right now. I can't help you with that. And not that this matters, but he's a tall drink of water and very easy on the eyes. You can find out more information about Sean at SeanDawson.Homes. That's right. That is the website. S-E-A-N-D-A-W-S-O-N.Homes. Sean, not the S-H kind of Sean, the S-E-A-N kind of Sean. And I assure you, and I'm not even joking here, that we are not getting paid for this ad. Right, Max? This is just, yeah. yeah, we're not. Yeah. This is good. I like this. It's a good business model for us. I <laughs> just help out our friends. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, 
HelloFresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. All right. Well, that brings us to our featured guest today, John Wilson of How To with John Wilson on HBO, on Crave, here in Canada. 12 episodes in total. Uh, it is worth your time. It is unique. It is interesting. It is one of the coolest things on TV, in my humble opinion. Guys, do you want to get to John Wilson? Let's do it. All right. So we'll, I guess we'll just jump right into this thing. Uh, so, John, I, I'm Mike. I'm with Shane and Max. And, uh, you know, we, we host this, this podcast, The Best Hang. And we're big fans and just, you know, watching the show over the last couple of seasons, I wanted to ask, because one of the first things that jumped out at me is methodology, the way that you sort of make your episodes. But the first thing that jumped out is, you know, in your very first episode, there's like sort of this fly in the wall shot of this couple arguing on the streets in New York and the woman sort of slaps her boyfriend at the end. And the first thing I thought is I'm like, is John, is he getting releases for all this? All these people he's shooting in these sort of like moments of life. What? So that's my first question before we get into the rest of the sort of how you make the show. Uh, yeah, I, that, 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 that's a pretty kind of common uh, uh, question, I feel, that um, I, I don't always have like a very good answer for. I mean, we, we have like three or four teams on top of myself shooting every single day. And um, they have people that go out with them and get releases. Um, and I have one with me as well. So... That shot in particular of the couple arguing, um, I think that was shot by um, my good friend Chris, who's who's a shooter on the show. And um, I would assume that they got releases because they're in the program. But um, <laughs> I also like I, 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 I don't know what the specific kind of interaction yeah. was with every single shot. You know, there are just so many um, that there's like this whole kind of legal apparatus uh, kind of um above me that i'm not always like familiar with how things get um kind of cleared you know when you're filming kyle mclaughlin was that you when he's fiddling with the subway pass that was me (laughs) that was you so (laughs) that's such gold and just fly on the wall where he doesn't even know he's being filmed yeah are you just like fuck it i'm not going to even ask for the release it's better to ask for permission later or do you go up and get the release in a situation like that knowing it's a fairly innocuous thing that he's doing that was when we were shooting the pilot. I was just in Midtown trying to kill time. And then um, my producer, uh, Jess, she noticed him on the sidewalk. And I just kind of ran away from everybody and started following him. And then we eventually <laughs> went down into the subway. And I was actually, if you can believe it, he was swiping for for kind of twice as long before I even got there and like <laughs> just kind of frame up the shot. So what you're seeing is the tail end of a much longer um, saga at the turnstile. And, um, and then after I got that, I actually did follow him onto the, into the car for a while. And I have a bunch of footage of him in there, but it wasn't very good. Um, but yeah, I've actually never, but then I actually never spoke to him. I just kind of got off at a stop and, and, and walked away just because um you know, he is a bit of a public figure and, and it, it really wasn't anything that like, I think need, needed uh, a release because like, I think at that point you're, it's kind of like filming the Statue of Liberty or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, where, where, you know, like, I mean, if we really wanted to be buttoned up, yeah, I would have got a release, but I think that there's like a, there's a calculation with every single shot, you know, like 
what are you showing them doing? What are you saying about them? And like, um, and because it was just kind of like pretty benign, like I, I think that the I, I think that the lawyers are pretty much okay with us using it. Um, yeah. Right, because there's an expectation when we leave our house that we're not going to necessarily have privacy, and as long as it's not defamation. Right, right, yeah. and yeah, I mean, in in New York City, it's a single party consent state mm -hmm. with um, shooting stuff in public, you know, which is why you, you know there's so many mm -hmm. security cameras everywhere. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, you know, but you don't always leave your house and um, expect to be on HBO, which you know, and I know there's a, a distinction there. Yeah. Yeah. Now, have you always been like this, like the type of person to just be documenting everything? Because I w was definitely like you. I'm showing a bunch of tapes. I have thousands and thousands of tapes. <laughs> I used to just film everything. Shane has a documentary about uh, catching his stepdad cheating on his mom in oh, high school really? yes. and confronting him. <laughs> And I put it on YouTube, not really knowing what YouTube was at the time. It was in his impetus, and it went viral. And then I became obsessed with capturing every moment. Also, I'm kind of a nostalgic person. Every, like, I'm a nostalgic even in the moment. And I'm also scared of missing something funny and not showing it to people. It was kind of ruining my life. So I'm curious for you, <laughs> <laughs> what's the impetus to film everything? Um, I, I think it... it, it, it it kind of started fairly innocently just um you know with like the sheer amount of 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 kind of interesting imagery in new york city i i, I just wanted to capture that to begin with and um you know i i try not to like turn the camera back at myself because i i feel like there's so much other stuff worth preserving and, and that, that's what really like excites me um so yeah i've, I've always been doing it i i think you know, I mean, I've had a camera in my hand since I was 13 or so, and um, I, I used to try to do more, you know, kind of comedic skit based stuff. But that just like after a while, it, it kind of just didn't feel like I had no idea why I was doing it. Um, so <clears throat> I, I've been like doing documentary stuff uh, more so since like I was like 19 or 20. And um, yeah, I mean, it's filming everything it, it, it like it pays off in weird ways but it's also painful in other ways you know like like you know i was just like i just went through like a bad breakup and like it like it was like as you know i was editing the finale of mm -hmm. the second season and you know she's like in it and it, it was just like this extremely dramatic kind of like emotional thing that i i i don't want to repeat and and, um, you know, it's like, who knows if that'll become part of anything in the future. I, I, I'm not sure, but like, it, it does kind of mm -hmm. like, um, have, have this effect sometimes that makes me question why I even do it. Being such an all consuming thing and you've gotten to the point where you're doing season after season and there's seeming no end in sight. Is, do you have an off switch where you're like, I will not touch this camera past 7 PM. Or is there none of that? Um, yeah, I mean, usually just because it, it, you know there's not as, as much light to shoot with at night. Um, but you know. <laughs> it's a practical decision, not a. Like, I mean, yeah. it God is. decided. I mean, I, I'm like a, a purely kind of natural light kind of kind of filmmaker. I, I, I don't like to you know uh, kind of add anything. But I don't know. It, it's hard to say. Usually, yeah. I mean, I'll, at night 
I'll go to a bar and meet some friends and it's it's pretty much like that's pretty much what I'm doing and I'm I'm not trying to like to do much there but if something but if you know if if something out, outrageous happens outside of the bar you know that there's just there's always my iPhone and you know I shoot like a maybe like a fifth of the show is or, yeah around a fifth is shot on the iPhone John one of the reasons why I like the show so much is it kind of reminds me so I'm a, my main job is a musician I'm in a band and when you start a song you kind of don't know where it's going to go or even what it means sometimes but you kind of have to start writing stuff down and then one thing leads to another and then you kind of are able to look back and go oh that's what this thing is about and I love your show for that reason where one thing leads to another and then there's kind of a grander concept my, my favorite uh, episode I think of season two and they're all amazing is how to appreciate wine which sort of speaks to this like in-group out-group thing and wanting to belong to people and who is welcoming and who's not welcoming you know in our world um and i was wondering about just the writing of that like did you have a did you have a big picture plan for like okay i think wine people are snobs and they're kind of full of shit and i'm kind of interested in this in-group out-group thing or did you kind of stumble into that um yeah i mean it it it, it begins with you know the very base level um you know, wine stuff. And uh, yeah, I, I just, I didn't, I feel like I was gonna, I was gonna like, I was gonna run out of kind of runway if, if, if I just actually earnestly did the, the whole wine thing, you know? I, I mean, I just more so wanted to capture the, the kind of, the, the feeling that I felt like um, kind of brushing up against the wine world and, and 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 the anxiety that I feel like, you know, I I, I I'm I'm not always actually going out and trying to solve the actual issue. Um, I think with wine, I think it was like it's it's so much more fun to to kind of like find something analogous like that's a few degrees off, and like yeah. So with writing, I mean, I do start out like okay, so we talk to a wine expert. You know, you see that in the very beginning before the the title um and you know that that is how i feel when i go into a wine store it's just all like a foreign language to me <laughs> um that i i like don't have the energy to learn and um you know but then within the writer's room we'll talk about like all the different things that might um you know all the all the things that make up wine culture and like whether it's like smell or or like kind of like admiring the age of something. And then, you know, we just try to think of different places to go where we can learn uh, maybe a more profound lesson through s someone that uh, doesn't even know we're making a movie about wine. When you met Nathan and you guys conceived of the show, did you have a writer's room or was it more of a, like a singular project? And how did you find the writers to help you in this odd exercise? Um, during the pilot, it was... Yeah, I just wrote that. That was just me because we were trying to figure out like what the show was. And then when we were greenlit for season one, um, I decided to bring on uh, Michael Komen and Alice Gregory. <clears throat> and they, like, we just kind of like developed, we just kind of figured out what the best titles, you know, what the best episode ideas were. What what, what were the most, like, what, what were the, like, yeah, what were the problems that didn't have easy answers? You know, that's always like, like the, like the criteria. Um, yeah, as long as it's not easily solved. And also like, once you 
like once you say like how to um you know like cover your furniture or something like that you know it's a good sign when it immediately kind of like sparks something in someone you know and they they want to start talking about it and tell their own stories like how to find a spot or something like that like that is like it's like oh yeah parking you know that that's like <laughs> you know maybe it's cliche but it, it, it's it, it, it's 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 a good sign to me when, when when it like when people want to talk about it outside of like the episode itself and it's like they have a lot of personal attachment to it I'm fascinated, like sort of within your career, um, like you said, you know, you were doing sort of skit based stuff earlier on and then you sort of are, are discovering things sort of like the more documentary style when you're creating like that. Um, how do you sort of um, conceive of success? Like what would success have been to you before you had the HBO show? Were you sort of like, I want to do this, this and this in an ambitious way? Or were you like, I just want to create and will take me where it goes. I'm sort of interested in the way that you sort of frame that in your own mind. Yeah, I think that like. I, I never really had a very, I never really had a plan. I never really had a very specific idea of success. I mean, I know I want to be liked by people. Um, I know that uh, when I was making the fictional film stuff, you know, I would just, I would do the whole film festival hustle kind of thing. And I would like, yeah. you know, it would bring it around, but it was like always part of some competition, you know, and, and I, I really didn't like what that did to my sense of self-worth and and like and like the way it made me feel about the work itself um because like i was i would just watch these these awful movies just get recognized you know in these in these like environments and i was just like so turned off and like also when i would make these movies like you know jingleberry or whatever i would like <clears throat> Um, there would be no conversation, you know, afterwards, there would be nothing mm -hmm. to talk about, you know, it's, it's just like, there, there's like, there's, there's nothing like to really like kind of chew on and, and, and no larger kind of like things like kind of com no, no, nothing larger about humanity or, or kind of like the human condition that, you know, that I, I feel like drives a lot of what I do now, mm -hmm. um, and, and I just didn't want to make kind of shallow work anymore. And I didn't want to like compete with it. So the whole how to experiment started, you know, like around 2011, I just started making these movies and um, I had no vision for it. I just knew that I needed a place to put all this footage and, uh, you know, a way to deal with personal problems. And everything since then has just been like a real kind of Mr. Magoo uh kind of, kind of like you know just going from you know level to level and not really realizing what it means um but i think that helped the work kind of maintain its its kind of authenticity in, in, in a way because i didn't i just wanted it to stay the same more or less i think one of the coolest things about the show is just whether you're a filmmaker or not anyone watching can appreciate the sheer amount of work it must take to produce a single episode. Is there a particular episode that almost killed you? Um, geez. Episode that almost killed me. I mean, literally the scaffolding episode. I was going to say. I, <laughs> <laughs> because like I was very close to a very unstable building um, a few days before it collapsed. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it, it's all extremely emotionally exhausting. You know, I've just like, I've like broken down in tears like multiple times, just like, like, because it, it, it is this kind of like, 
like with writing it and like <laughs> editing it is a lot like therapy in a way and 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 you know it's i try to make it as unfiltered as i possibly can and that that results in in some like very real personal feelings like um kind of emerging all the time and 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 they're kind of like part of this like professional environment at the same time and 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 you're you're trying to be this like leader but also like be like vulnerable in the way that the 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 kind of artwork um requires you know so would you say in the show you're not so much playing a character that's the real you because i find with nathan fielder i'm always like is this him is he like this in real life or is this a character he's putting on for the show but with you i'm less certain i mean there's there's definitely a bit of a like a i i have a bit of a shtick you know obviously Mm -hmm. but it's you know i i i i think that the viewer can I, I trust that they can tell the difference between like a bit and 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 something um and something real because like um I I I want it I want it to feel grounded in that way. Um mm-hmm. like you know that's my real toilet. That's my you know my real ex that's my real you know like mm. what, what you know that's my real neighbor. Um I I just I it just it drives me crazy that like, you know, sometimes I'll run into people and, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll meet someone that likes the show and they'll be like, you know, did you really buy that house? I was like, of, of course, <laughs> like that's my mortgage broker. That's like, <laughs> like, 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 what, it, 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 like what, what's the alternative that, that like, I, I don't know. It, I, I, it, it's, it's, it's unfortunate mm-hmm. that like, we, you know, we, we kind of don't trust as much stuff anymore, but like, I, you know, I also understand just because that's like the way that a lot of media has been. You know, it feels like sometimes you can kind of get a feel for like as the viewer, like who you're sort of smirking at or who kind of deserves sort of like <laughs> you're rolling your eyes at depending. And But then there's a lot of characters that you end up sort of having real sympathy for, uh, like, you know, the Avatar uh, group that you end up at first. I'm like, oh, is he poking fun at these folks? But then if you hang out for another four or five minutes, you're like, no, he's actually, you know, finding the beauty in their connection and their and their friendship. And, and it, it was actually one of the most like heartfelt moments of the show for me. I guess my question, though, is has there been anybody who's been upset with you being like, you know, I feel like I was sort of taken advantage of in some way, even if even if you didn't mean to do that, even if you were like, no, no, I was just genuinely trying to show something real and honest. And they felt like they were being you know portrayed in a negative way not anyone who is like heavily featured um like i mean you gotta you gotta think that like everyone involved like they i just want to be able to give them a platform to have their messaging kind of intact in a way so Mm -hmm. if they truly believe what they're saying then like it it, it's not weird you know And, and 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 it is just like this kind of unfiltered um you know, like message from them, whether it's about circumcision or, or the Mandela stuff. Um, I, I mean, there, there was like one, there was one person we filmed at the Mandela conference that didn't want to be featured in it before the episode even came out. Mm. And like, she didn't say anything like outrageous, you know, more like, like um, outrageous than anybody else there, but she just like, didn't want to be part of it. So we took her out, but that was like, 
she, she had like one line. It wasn't even yeah. like a, a big thing, but mm-hmm. like for the most part, like, you know, everyone has been pretty good with it. When the pandemic struck, a lot of people were sidelined and maybe depressed or feeling like they need a little bit of time to reconcile with it. But for you, you're shooting a show and your show is unique in the fact that a single person can actually theoretically shoot the show. So did that excite you in a weird way to like seize that opportunity, which is capturing such a strange moment in history? Or did you need time to kind of gather yourself? Um. I, I I was just looking back at like my kind of calendar and all the footage from that time. And um, yeah, I pretty much immediately, I, I never really stopped. I just, I, I felt like this, you know, like I felt like this, this crazy pressure, um, but also excitement to be able to capture all this stuff, you know, like, it's like, the, you know, that like there's that documentary about 9-11 where, you know, these, <clears throat> this guy was, or this team was making a documentary about these like firefighters, like on the morning of 9-11, like downtown Manhattan. And they just like, they just happened to capture this whole, you know, like piece of history when they didn't even plan to. Mm -hmm. And it was like the impulse to kind of like continue filming, even though there's so much kind of uncertainty is is this drive that I really admire. And I, 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 I try to like, you know, I, I try to have two. Um, so I felt a, kind of a similar way with the the coronavirus stuff, where nobody really knew what was happening, but I knew that like the worst thing to do was would be to do nothing. Um, so like, you know, like when the I filmed the grocery store line uh, of of that you know really long grocery store line. Um, in the moment, it didn't really seem that weird, but like looking back at it now like you know nobody's wearing masks inside and that was like probably the one of the biggest super spreader events of all was like the grocery store rush like right when COVID happened like mm-hmm. everybody had it wrong and like little details like that you, you you don't always notice in the moment like how like people had like gloves on you know it's like <laughs> like like that wasn't doing anything and yeah we may never see that again a lineup that long exactly yeah, yeah yeah totally Hey, uh, John, how many how many appearances did you make in the People's Court uh, in your younger life? <laughs> I, I, well, I, I made one appearance on the, on, uh, on the People's Court uh, um, when I was like 15 or so. Um, but then, yeah, as an adult, I went on to hot bench. Um, so <laughs> was, was, was that a lark or like or were you just having fun or was it a genuine grievance? Um, it's it's a genuine grievance, but kind of like. Uh, it's, it's, it's a very complicated story, but it, it, it was like a legally binding lawsuit that I filed with like the, you know, Kings County, um, court system that I then brought to Los Angeles to film. Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I was trying to retrieve money from a client that didn't pay me. But mm. there was there was a, there was a tiny bit of theater involved, but um, the, <laughs> the the court show didn't really know that. Did you win the case and did you get the settlement? So? Uh, I won the case, yeah. And they oh, paid nice. up. Uh, yeah, that's what's great about court TV shows is that if I were to sue you for two thousand um, dollars and I win, you don't pay me anything. The court just pays me that money, and you yeah. get paid mm-hmm. in, a, in appearance fee. So oh, that's wow. that's how they get a lot of people to to come on because they like 
you know, they don't, they can settle the matter and make money doing it no matter what the verdict is. I, and, and does the, the, what is it? The defendant, do they, do they still have to pay or do they just, they just go home after they sort of go through this theater? No, the only, everyone just gets paid and that's it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Good setup. I was, uh, you know, I was fascinated. I was watching um, the anatomy uh, of a scene with the bread that sort of you and Nathan did sort of as so a, great. It's kind of this funny, funny promo <laughs> I, creatively I, and collabor- collaboratively. I'm wondering, is that something that like, do you come up with that? Does, does Nathan come up with that? You guys build that together. It's played straight for like the first minute until it sort of becomes this other thing. I, I'm fascinated how that came about and what that looked like collaboratively. Cause it's, it's hilarious. It's sure. Sure. Um, yeah, that was the result of, I think Nathan and I just, like HBO wanted to make some kind of longer form promo piece for yeah. for how to, um, and Nathan and I just got on the phone and I think we wrote that like within like an hour and then <laughs> like we just like we wanted to do we, we just <laughs> wanted to play on the anatomy of a scene but we never liked to 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 kind of end it with just like the you know we, we always try try to take it one step further <laughs> in a way and. Um, I don't. I don't know why TikTok became <laughs> the, the the final act of that, but um, it was. It we we really liked it, but then we like gave it to um, uh, we gave it to HBO, and <laughs> they they were worried about it, so uh, <laughs> we we like ended up negotiating and just putting it on Nathan's YouTube channel instead. <laughs> Hey, your your demo. I, I'm always curious to know who's watching the show, but also especially like, uh, it feels like a real comedian's comedian kind of show. And I'm just kind of curious to know like who who's reached out to you, like who are unexpectedly like big names that are like, I fucking love what you're doing because it is sing- so singular in its own thing, and it's that's probably one of the, my favorite parts about the show. I can't think of anything like it. Who 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 have you heard from? Um, I've heard from a lot of people. Uh, <laughs> It's yeah, some some big names in comedy, some people that I really admired. Um, I'm trying to think like well, I don't know. I mean, I mean like one of them. I mean Connor O'Malley was just like one of my favorite guys, and, and I, I ended up like just hiring him to to, to write for season two. Um, but you know, like Judd Apatow, like this, like he he like wrote this this like piece about the show for time, like for time, you know, and like like. Uh, you know, I don't know, just like people on Twitter, I, I'm I, like, you know, name drop. We, we, you can name drop. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to name drop. <laughs> just like Jerry Seinfeld, you know. Just, oh, there we go. There you, go. <laughs> you said it. You we just wanted it. you to say it. <laughs> um, and and it's it's like, just I just find it so insane that he or you guys or anybody know my name or who I am or what the work is. It's just, it's just so surreal to me. Um, and it doesn't like feel totally like three dimensional yet. Like I, I feel like I've, I've, I'm, I've, the, the whole, like, I, I've only like become this thing, I guess, since COVID and, and uh, you just don't really see as many people. So it all just feels like kind of very intangible to me yeah. still. I have Nathan Fielder and now you on such a pedestal for comedy was Nathan like that for you when you were about to meet him? Was it nerve wracking? And what was it like when you finally did have that meeting with him? Oh yeah, totally. Um, <clears throat> you know, cause I, I think, I think he has kind of an Andy Kaufman like kind of energy to him. Um, you know, in terms of like mm-hmm. his persona, 
um, you know, in terms of like the dedication to it. And yeah, I mean, I was like, I was really nervous. And uh, when we met, we were just like, we got to know each other, just like driving around LA, just like going from meeting to meeting and trying to figure out how to pitch this thing. And, um, you know, then we make the pilot, we, it's, you know, it's about small talk and um, there was just this kind of weird meta thing happening where he and I were just like, like kind of forming a relationship, but just like on steroids and it was happening. It was, it, it, it was like, it, it, it was accelerating so quickly. And, you know, we would just like have these moments of intense joy, but then we would also kind of fight about what the show would be. And like, we just learned, you know, we got to know each other like so well and in, in, in such a short amount of time. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's a great guy and he is an absolute kind of master at what he does. Um, and he taught me so much about story and, um, and kind of like, uh, he's also kind of an illusionist at the same time. And, and there's like all these things just kind of mix up into, in, in, into one, like, like kind of crazy, like, you know, career for him. What was the piece of work that you did that got you in the room with them to have that meeting? Um, I made a movie. I mean, I made a movie about getting onto Hot Bench, um, getting onto the court TV show um, where, you know, I wear a bunch of like hidden cameras and stuff. And I, it's a movie I can never come out with ever legally. <laughs> How does he see it though? It had circulated privately like far enough <laughs> for it to get to him. Um, and then um, the, and then randomly one night, um, like my friend ran into him at a gallery and, and, and he, Nathan recognized my friend from that movie. And, oh, and, wow. um, and then once that happened, I, he called me up and I was at home watching Jeopardy or something. And um, he told me to come out and I just like immediately got on the subway and he and I met that night and then just started kind of uh, workshopping. Hold on. Was he in New York or were you? Yeah, in... he was in New York. Oh, he was in New York. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, you're, so your friend, though, that gets recognized by Nathan, he calls and he says, hey, Nathan Fielder's here. You should come. And then you jet out there. And then or does your friend hold Nathan in place? And he's like, John's coming. How does that even work? Yeah, it was my friend Clark. He uh, he did a very it, it was really involved. He he. <laughs> um, like he casually met Nathan, didn't want to make a big deal out of it, called me up, <clears throat> told me to come out, said they were going to this restaurant called Forlini's. And then uh, what Clark did was he uh, recruited one or two other people that were at the opening and then going to this dinner to basically kind of like create an empty seat that could be vacated when I arrived. <laughs> right, right <laughs> and, and they just did it so well. This dude, Ian and Clark, um, they, yeah, they tag teamed it. And, um, once I got there, I just kind of swooped in and we just started talking. That's incredible. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't want to, we don't want to overstep with our, our time limit. I mean, just go, uh, you know, go for it. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't okay. know. I don't know what your time constraints are. Okay. No, no, we'll be here for three hours. If you <laughs> yeah. the time. Uh, we're big oh, fans. I love this. So yeah. where does it go from here? Cause this show seems like something that each season it's both exciting and you might be dreading it a little bit. Is there a, a project after How To With John Wilson that you're excited about getting into that's maybe a little bit less time intensive? Yes. 
Can you say what that is? <laughs> <laughs> no further questions. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, it, it, it is like, like, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it's such a weird feeling. Like I, when I, when I first got the show greenlit, you know, I was horrified. I, I, I thought I had already done everything I could have done. You mm -hmm. know, I, I was like, I, I I had no idea what was about to happen or like what I would have to say. And, and then we, and I was like a nervous wreck through all of the production of season one. And then we came out with something that I really liked, you know, and other people seemed to like. And then when we got greenlit for season two, I had the same kind of rush of anxiety. And it's like, I, okay, I, I, I don't know what's about to happen, but it's going to happen. And then it happened, but I'm, and, but now like, like looking down the barrel of a, like a, a potential season three, it's like, uh, I know, I don't know. I just have the same kind of like anxiety and it never goes away. And I, I know some crazy stuff is about to happen and I'm going to have to make it happen somehow just by being in the right place at the right time somehow. And that is like, paralyzing to me because I don't know where to place myself and I think the best thing I can do is just be outside and that's like always a good start <laughs> and potentially expanding your team how big would you let the team expand to to make your life easier um the the team is at a it's a, at a pretty good size right now um I I I, I trust everyone like so completely uh, on the team right now a lot of them i've been friends with forever um some of them i just know we're on the same wavelength creatively um but yeah it it, it is like it is something that's tough when you know you you have to like keep it personal and like trust someone like like there's so many little decisions that like i i i kind of have to make all the time and I trust the people around me a lot to kind of make them for me sometimes if I'm not like, if, if I, if I don't have the bandwidth to, to answer everything. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the crew is around like 50 people, but like the core crew is like, I don't know, like 10 or 20. It, it's, it's, it's hard to say. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like, it's all people I trust. And I, 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 I would not be able to make this if I didn't. And what's the farthest off course you've ever gone from an original plan where you have kind of an episode mapped out and then you're like, fuck it, this is way better. We're going rogue. I mean, the, the risotto episode was kind of becoming just about nicotine addiction, but then, you know, like the, then the COVID stuff happened and that was just like, Newsworthy, you know, yeah. Yeah, that that was like the the farthest I think we've gone off from the original subject matter. But usually, like when we come up with a title at the beginning of the season, it more it it pretty much just stays that way, and we just kind of work within that framework. There, there are so many visual puns uh, in your in the scripts and in the voiceovers. And I was wondering, uh, just functionally, like, how do you catalog it? Like, do you have like certain phrases? Like, are there folders with like certain themes or is it just all from the top of your head or just sitting in an editing room? Like, how do you just organize all the material, the hours of material you have? I basically, I mean, I have a, this amazing team of assistant editors that just tag like the, the, the content of the shots, you know, like 
street sign uh mm. you know like the, the 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 words that are in sharp focus sometimes the action um that's all meticulously logged and and okay. stuff and that's in a b-roll project that is updated constantly but my personal like um timeline is is, is a bit more disorganized where <laughs> i'll just like i'll look through 100 percent of the footage i'll just it, it, there'll just be a big just like timeline of just the selects of just anything that i find interesting or funny or or pretty and i will just like when i'm building these kind of these sections where like there's it's they're really b-roll intensive i will just kind of like dip into that kind of big mess of a timeline and just power scan it back and forth like you know hours and hours and hours and hours worth of stuff and um i will just like find patterns in like the material and and if there's like more than two if there's like more than two of something i will then put that into a different bin and and i will like um have a timeline of like things that are similar and you know and and, and like and then i will then kind of um uh, when there's like a gap in that, if I need a bridge between sections, I will often like take, I'll, I'll write something um, specifically for this little section uh, that um, kind of gives new life to the material, you know? Cause right now I'm, you know, when you're watching a, a show, um, and you and you start seeing the world through that show. So if I'm really like watching Curb Enthusiasm, like everything I'm doing is a Curb is, is a Larry David situation or whatever it may be. And uh, today in the morning, uh, it's like snowing and miserable out here in Toronto. And um, there was a carton of ice cream uh, with a spoon in it in a snowbank. Uh, let me just show it to you. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I'm John Wilson now. <laughs> I was like, New York is a cold and lonely place. I was like, what would John write for that screen? <laughs> right, right, right. Um, yeah, something like that shot would be something about like if you're in a hurry, maybe, and, and you had to like, yeah, <laughs> you just had to like drop everything, you know. Hold on, can you say that again? Hold on, just watch it again. Ready? Uh, yeah, when you're in a hurry, uh, you you might need to drop what's most important to you. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay i'm gonna make a tiktok out of that thank you john yeah, i yeah. appreciate it <laughs> um but yeah i mean that's the beauty of it though is that i don't own this you know anyone could do it and like i think everyone's already everyone's already doing this you know in their own personal accounts all the time but it's just kind of decentralized you know yeah, exactly. My my friend has a hot sauce company and he listed all the ingredients on the side and my friend was like, "Why would you do that? You're giving everyone like how to make their own hot sauce." He was like, "If you can put in all the work to make this hot sauce possible, like go for it." And that's yeah. the way I feel about your show. Anyone can do it, but yeah. no one would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully this is a cautionary tale about like the other way to consume and fuck up your life. <laughs> All right, let's wrap it up. Yeah, um, thank you uh, so much for your time, John. Honestly, appreciate uh, you going this long with us and giving us sort of a, a, a true insight into how you do it and your process and everything because, uh, you know, it's awesome and people people love it and really appreciate what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and thank you so much for, you know, asking me to do it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad it, it kind of... 
I'm glad I hit Canada. No, we're spreading the word up here, honestly. Um, the guitarist in the band yesterday was like, have you seen the latest season of John Williams? We talked about it for an hour. So <laughs> it, it's, doing, it's honestly doing the thing that you hope. It's just like, here's a piece of art, and let's talk about it. And that's like my favorite thing about going to a movie. I like going to a movie with friends. So on the walk home, we can talk about the movie, whether you hate it or you loved it. And then you, you check back in a week later, and you go, oh, maybe I liked it more than I thought I did right after the movie. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. let it fester for a bit. Sure, sure. That was John Wilson. Guys, how you feeling about it after that big, long conversation? I hope people learn something about John Wilson and the making of his show. I feel like we could have had him for another 40 minutes if we wanted to. Didn't you <laughs> feel that, that vibe? He didn't yeah, want to leave. Totally. He was loving it. Guys, next week is going to be our first guestless episode, unless something changes. Is that right? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. You know, just the three of us hanging out. A uh, huge thank you to everybody who's been... Uh, sharing the podcast, subscribing to the podcast, downloading the podcast. Who's picked up pod merch? Yeah. Uh, we have a beautiful website, thebesthangpodcast.com. Uh, and really, uh, the only thing we ask of you uh, folks that are listening is just uh, spread the word about the, about the show. We want as many people to hear it as possible. Uh, we want a huge, uh, we want to send a huge thank you to Nathan Nash, uh, who is our content producer, and he has been working diligently behind the scenes to make sure that all of our content, uh, whether that's the videos or getting the webs- or getting the episodes up, uh, is just looking as sharp as uh, as it is, and we've never. Yeah, never been looking better. He's I, very I on the ball. It's uh, it's a personality type I don't understand, but he has that. <laughs> <laughs> He's the best. Of course, a uh, huge thank you to, to Manager Ash uh, for conducting this whole thing. And, Always. Uh, any, any, anything else we're missing here, Mikey? No, we're good. Thanks to all that listen. Thanks to everyone that's been along on our journey. This is episode two in the can, and we can't wait to get back next week. Back to basics, just the three of us. Uh, it's been awesome so far. So that's it. That's all. Thanks so much for listening. Leave a comment. Leave a rating. Check out our website. And I guess that's that. Wait, don't we have a tagline? And thank you guys oh, again? For, for the, the best. Thank hang. you guys for the best hang. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the one. Yeah. That was. We'll get it tighter in episode three. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 